<laughs> if, if that's what you're thinking of, <laughs> there's no way I'm dashing on TikTok. <laughs> um, all right, guys, let's start. Welcome, guys. It's your favorite football podcast, The Clean Tackles Pod. Um, I'm your gracious host, Chike, and with the crew today, we'll be discussing this past weekend in the football world, and of course, we'll be touching on some Nigerian football news. Uh, we are recording on Sunday evening while the Madrid Derby is going on. It's 3 1 at the moment, three headed goal by Letty, and um, it's only Cruz goal. It's 3 1, yeah. Uh, so before we get into the talking points, let's check in with the crew. Dotun, how have you been? How's your weekend been? How's everything with you? Well, um, I've been good. Weekend has been good. Um, one of my friends relocating, so we had a small get together, and it's always good to catch up with your friends. You know, um, the way okay. <laughs> the way this life is, uh, you don't know where it'll be last time. So, yeah, it's good to have out with the crew and um, all of that. By the way, um, Chuki's brother got married, so um, happy married life to Chuki's brother. Yeah, shout out to 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 Chuki's brother. Uh, Chuki, of course, is away from the pod today. Um, we've, we've done our research and apparently it's not a hangover issue. It's just work-related, so uh, we'll accept that. Uh, but yeah, happy married life to Chuki's brother. Uh, Bayo, how about you? How have you been? How's your weekend? It's been a rainy weekend, so I hope you've enjoyed it like you did last weekend. Ah, uh, well, yeah, it rained, it rained a bit today and... Yeah, well, that was that was good. I mean, anytime it rains, it's a relief. And you know that dry season is coming, so the heat is, and that usually comes with like lots of heat or high temperatures. So I think we should just enjoy this while it lasts. I mean, otherwise, it was a chilled weekend. Uh, you know, after another after another hectic week, just try to unwind, relax. You know, and just watch Netflix and stuff. You know, um, yeah. So it was. Pretty laid back, relaxed weekend. Yeah, have you have you have you seen the new Nigerian movie that dropped? I think it's Little Black Book or something. Or it I think new? it's just Black Book. Oh, I think Black, it's Black Book. Book. Oh, the yeah, Black so Book. So I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I'll probably see possibly sometime over the next week. I, yeah. I I saw this. Um, I saw the trailer that was a bit triggering, sort of. Um, you know where. The guy, one <clears throat> where some young guy got accosted by, you know, Sax, which is supposed to be like a play on SARS, oh. right? On the SARS, on the SARS units, and yeah, so that was a bit triggering for me, like, yeah. But anyway, but I'll probably, I'll probably catch up on it sometime over the next week. All right, same here because I haven't watched it, but um, it's gotten like decent reviews from people whose opinion I respect. So, yeah, looking forward to catching it sometime during the week. Um, anyway, let's get into the talking points for this pod um no better place to start than the not london derby
place. Ohio Saka. His poise is immense. The broadest shoulders, the broadest grin in all of London town. Jorginho has lost it to Madison, and Madison can drive. Um, Arsenal to Spurs to um, in recent times the home side has dominated the not, the not London Derby. Um, I think the last twelve seasons there's been sixteen home wins, six draws, and only two away wins. That's of course coming into today, and it ended all square. Twice Arsenal were in front, and twice they surrendered that lead to Hyun Son and Spurs. Uh, Dotun, how impressed were you with Spurs and how they crawled back? into this game despite uh Christian Romero trying to give it away. Um so first is first I think um sports showed great I said character, mentality, great spirit, all those good words there we say. I think they did very well today. <laughs> right. First things first, um going to the Emirates is to get a result is not an easy feat with this current arsenal. That's one. Then number mm. two, they did it in very impressive style because they stuck to their principles and their methods. Right. You see people Panic under pressure against um, Arsenal's press, against Arsenal's high line, and, and all of that. But Spurs played the way they'll play against anybody today, and a lot of players um, held it down on their own. You remember last week we spoke about um, the Nigerian guys, and we said um, Justin Doja started very well at Spurs. I think 15, uh-huh. 12, 15 minutes ago, you look at him in Saka, and he looked Decent. I mean, he held his own till full time. He managed not to get sent off, and um, I think Saka's um, one was a deflection and one was a penalty, which he was not responsible for, anyways. So, and I think he uh-huh. was also very good for his team going forward. I was mostly impressed with Bisuma today. I thought he played very, very well. Um, he they, they tried, to, they managed to neutralize Odegaard's threats, right? And practically, Arsenal in the central areas were very, very, very blunt. So. Big ups to him and big ups to Poste Kogu. Um, I heard him speaking after the match. He said something about he doesn't know how the Romero <laughs> penalty. So I was like, it's because he got lucky with the first one. <laughs> That's why he doesn't know why the second one is a penalty. But all in all, I, I thought he had a very, very, very good game today. Remember, we said Spurs I want to watch out for this season. So, yeah. yeah, no surprises there. Very good result for them. Okay. Uh, Bio, uh, what are your thoughts on? Arteta dropping Ramsdale. This is the third start for the third start for Raya in eight days, and it doesn't seem like Ramsdale lost the job. You know, he didn't have like a horrific spell or anything. Um, I know there's been discussions about this since the Champions League game where uh, Raya started ahead of Ramsdale in the PSV game. What are your thoughts on the whole goalkeeper situation? Um. So. Personally, I think I said this at the time when it, it became clear as now wanted to sign Raya. Um, I'm not sure there's that much of a significant difference between both goalkeepers as to have two of them on board. Um, you know, and then I I came out with this thing last week when he was saying that, you know, at, during in previous games, like he had had the feeling that he wanted to swap out one keeper for another during the game. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's it's really not that deep. I, I don't think it's that deep. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's possible that he, there's something he has seen 
in in Raya's game, possibly it feels Raya is more assured, probably a safer pair of hands. Um, I know Ramsdale has, you know, he, he's, uh, I mean, he, he's prone to the odd mistake here and then, here and there, but like you said, I don't think it's anything that uh, would normally warrant losing your place. Um, I think, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see how this one plays out, because um, if, if you look at another team in the league, Brighton, so it seems like Dezebi does this thing where he plays Jason Steele for two games and then brings in Februgen for another two games. But that's kind of understandable because Jason Steele is in his mid-30s, right? And Februgen mm-hmm. is a pretty young keeper who possibly may want to get acclimatized to the league. He also made, it, he also made a, a huge error um, today that led to the Bournemouth goal. Um, but so... In, in that case, I can understand it. I'm, I'm not sure where Ateta is headed with this exactly. You know, is this like a long-term thing where Raya is now like the undisputed number one, or is he going to do something similar to the Zerbi, where possibly based on the needs of a particular game, um, you know, he's going to swap one fouls for the other. I know for I know for certain that like Raya's long distribution game, like in terms of his distribution over long distances, is possibly. Um, better than Ramsdale's because that was kind of like a bedrock of Brighton's game, you know, Raya trying to find Ivan Tony, um, the target man. So, um, what was it? I've been three games, right? Everton, PSV, and uh, and Spurs. So, I think maybe let's just watch how this one develops. It, it, it's a bit strange to me because I wouldn't have thought it was necessary to have two keepers of that quality um, for Arsenal. Okay, Dottini, this is something you agree with because um, according to, I mean, not according, we've, we've seen it, uh, Arsenal's gameplay seems to seems a li- little bit more, um, seems a little bit better with Raya starting from the back. You know, he's a lot more, he's, he's, he's better with you know, his feet. But do you think that's enough to warrant this goalkeeper swap? I think Thierry Henry made the, the, the punch during midweek that Ramsey was the person that they needed to get them into the top four, while Raya is the person that they need to get them the league title. But what are your thoughts on the whole goalkeeper situation at Arsenal? Okay, so first things first. To me, I think Raya is a better goalkeeper than Ramsey. In terms of being assured, in terms of playing out of the back, in terms of making saves. But I think as an all-rounder, Raya is better than Ramsey. Now... If you're keeping a goalkeeper in a club, then you bring in another one on loan. I can understand the the noise around it, but I, I don't think it's such a big deal. I think the better player is the one on the field. So if if it was, um, say for example, I, I think Raya is better than Ramsdale, and Ramsdale was playing ahead of Raya, then I would raise like eyebrows and all of that. But as far as I'm concerned, the better player is playing, so it's not a big deal in my opinion. All right, uh, we'll, we'll move over to Manchester City for us. But just last word on um, on the North London Derby. It seems like Son had been struggling in this derby for a very long time. And then as soon as he got his hands on the captain's armband, he started impressing just the same way Harry Kane is. So maybe the secret is in that captain's armband. But yeah, uh, good result for Spurs. They're up to fourth now. Arsenal is fifth, of course. But yeah, uh, to the Etihad, Manchester City 2, Nottingham Forest 2. Um, I don't think anyone was surprised by the result. But uh, the big news here, of course, was Rodri being sent off for Manchester City. It was for violent conduct. So, of course, three-game ban. 
He's going to miss the games against Newcastle. That's a League Cup. Uh, Wolves and the big game against Arsenal in, I think, on the 10th of next month. Uh, what impact do you think this suspension will have in the short term? I know it's just three games, but do you think that's enough to worry them, especially when they're going to be facing Arsenal without him? Um, okay, so I don't think it's going to be much of of a big deal, right? Because um, the City have capable replacements. I, I know somewhere in the middle of the pack, they have um, Matthias Nunes, they have Kovacic. Um, there's talk of even Bernardo Silva fitting in. I, I'm not sure it's fit at the moment because I haven't seen him on the pitch for, I think, two games now. So maybe he has injury problems. But then again, you have to also factor that um, Declan Rice went off at halftime. So the Ateta says he has a back injury. Um, Thomas Partey is currently out of the squad as well. So it kind of balances out. It doesn't... It's not like um, City are in a, It's not like because Rodri is not going to play, um, Arsenal are going to run over City's midfield. City have a coercive system. They have a proper structure in place. So I think even even as much as Rodri is important to that system, I think they'll be fine over three games. I don't think it's a big deal. Plus, over the course of the season, Rodri hardly gets rest. So he's going to rest compulsorily for three games. Um, to Turfmore, Burnley 0, Manchester United 1. Evans. Fernandez! Oh, brilliant! That is sensational! It's like vintage Paul Scholes. Glorious ball over the top. Johnny Evans. And what a volley! Bruno had a sublime goal and uh, they ended their three-game losing streak. But the performance itself left a lot to be desired. Uh, but Bayer, do you think Eric Ten Hag can kick off from here despite the less than convincing win from his his boys? I think the 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 overwhelming sentiment around this game, particularly from Manchester United fans, is that um you know that so there are lots uh the team is dealing with lots of injuries with lots of key players out and having lost three consecutive games. The most important thing here was to win, you know, whatever it took, whatever performance it took to to get those three points was the most important thing. But uh from my perspective, being dominated that way by one of the worst teams in the league and being comfortable with it. After the coaching question has spent over a year, um, has bought about has bought has you know, he, he spent not of three hundred and fifty million uh pounds on on play on, on on players right um mm-hmm. I, I i i'm i'm, I'm sorry I, I my opinion is that this is not the sort of performance that is this is not the sort of performance that takes you anywhere and so so again the problems still come down to the same thing right um built like progressing from the back Burnley were able to do this pretty confidently uh i think Watching a number of games, for example, if you look at the North London Derby, and Foster Koglu has been, this is literally his seventh game in charge of Tottenham Hotspur, right? Mm-hmm. And he's been, and you could see how how easy it was, even away at, away at Arsenal, how easy it was for them to bring the ball out, for them to move the ball to the third. One year in, Manchester United are still not able to do this. Um, People will say like the personnel they have don't have the capabilities to do that. But come on, um, I think twelve months is enough time to figure out some workaround, right? Um, in terms of how you can how you can um, 
how you can optimize or minimize the flaws of certain players that certain players have with that. Um, so it goes back to what I said last week, right? Um, I mean, I've seen over the last 18 months, you know, we've seen guys like Eddie Howe come to Newcastle, we've seen Unai Emery at Aston Villa, we've seen Foster Koglu as well, we've seen David Zerbi come to Brighton, you know, and that's separate from guys like Guardiola and Klopp and Ateta as well, who've been there in a while. And overall, these guys just get more out of their teams, right? Um, given the resources and everything that, that they've been afforded, they get more out of their team that Ben Hag has done over the course of his time in his Manchester United career. And it's just going to come back, come down to you win games against Burnley, you know, whatever, however, however, whatever it takes. But when it comes up against these guys, I think these guys have proven to be simply better, or they've simply proven to be simply better fit for the requirements of the league or for the requirements of their clubs. Um, so for me, I'm not optimistic that Manchester United necessarily go anywhere meaningful from here. But of course, um, I guess time will tell. Okay, Dothan, uh, is uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because Bio raised a good point about um, yeah, people have made excuses about the injuries and they are legitimate excuses. You know, uh, Manchester United started the back line of Dallo, Evans, Lindelof, and Reguilon, and None of those four guys are first team or starters for the club when everyone is fit, right? So, yeah, the injuries have been very um, impactful to the overall gameplay. And, of course, you know, that right wing is non-existent with the players. They're either, you know, being abusive towards women, allegedly, or, you know, the poor training in uh, poor performances in training. So, yeah, United have their own share of unavailable players and all that. But what are your thoughts on them getting this crappy win? So like Bayer said, the most important thing going into the game was the results. Um, I don't think there's any type of performance that would have been okay yesterday without like a commensurate results. So it's left for the team to pick on from here. I, I understand um, getting a win at all costs, um, even though it was against Bonnie at home. I think they yet, not I think, they yet to win any game this season. Uh, we spoke about them, I think, two or three weeks ago, where I said, um, company has to be smart and realize that it's not one of the best teams in the league. But I think they held their own against United, and I think that most of the chances that they considered against United were as a result of them being brave, right? So, um, United, basically, them being brave played into the hands of United. You know, we always say that United have players that build for transition, right? and that's how mm-hmm. United could get like a number of chances on the break because Bolly were brave. Um, next game, you have to do better because... You know, um, scrappy wins are simply not sustainable. If you scrap a win today, you do another one tomorrow. Eventually, we'll catch up with you, right? So, like, yeah, you explained said, that last week, system, yeah. Yeah, so the systems, the whatever that have not been like in, that have not been concrete, they're not ex- exactly visible. Some of the injured players are back. We saw Amara make his debut, we saw Varan come off the bench. Um, the stock of Mason Mount's been available for next game as well. So it's um it's maybe it's being optimistic, but we're hoping that all the pieces come together. Let's actually see what Eric Ten Hag and this team are all about. All right, fair enough. Um, moving to Spain, uh, Barcelona three, Celta Vigo two. I actually watched this game. Celta Vigo were up two 0 with uh, ten minutes left, um, and then 
you know, things turned around in the final 10 minutes. Uh, Lewandowski got a brace, but Jao Cancelo was the main guy in that turnaround. Um, he had a goal and an assist. Of course, the winning goal to make it 3-2. Uh, sticking with you, do you think that Barcelona's summer additions have put them in a great position to not just retain the league, but probably challenge for the Champions League. And it's not something we thought we would say because Barcelona, I mean, they're like a, a billion pounds in debt. Uh, they're not a well-run club. I mean, if you have like a billion dollars in debt, you're not a well-run club. But for some reason, they keep, they've made themselves like the destination of the unhappy top players in the league. And they seem to get all these deals despite being poorly run. You know, Jal Cancelo has landed on their lap. Same thing with... Um, Joe Felix and everything, and they've they came off consecutive five no wins, and now you know, to win in this fashion, so they are finding new ways to win, not just dominating. So, like you said about Spurs resilience and all those things, but yeah, do you think these summer additions have put them in a good position to not just retain the league, but also challenge for the Champions League? Um. I think Champions League is stretching a bit, but I think they'll most likely retain the league. And even if they don't play well, um, I just think that their main opposition, National Madrid, Calentonetti's teams are mostly used for cup competitions. And the fact that they've lost Benzema and Vinicius has been injured for a while makes it even easier for Barcelona. Um, but sticking with Barcelona team itself, I think that additions of... Um, Cancelo, Yao Felix, Gondogan, Romero, I think they've been good altogether. Romero is supposed to be um, Sergio Busquets' replacement. And it's done a, an okay job so far. I think Gondogan has given them an extra um, um, an extra flavor of um, experience and girl in the midfield. Do you know that um, when, when Gondogan was at City, there used to be talk about how he used to coach the under-19s or under-13s or all of that once uh, in a while so because i was doing his batches there so you see him play with youngsters like pedri like gavi and it's almost like he's holding their hands during the game right so mm-hmm. it's elevated their midfield to like a brand brand new level then we have the youngsters um yamal yeah so mm-hmm. it's, it's also giving them an extra attacking outlet it's it's almost in the same mode um, the same mode of um usman dembele that can go inside and can go outside as well. So I I feel like the squad is good. It's packed. They have um, quality players in almost every position. And somehow, somehow, they are always hard to beat. In the league, that is, I know they found it difficult in, in Europe, even though they started well this season. I think their group is very easy as well. So from knockout phase, that's when we know how good they are. But good start to the season for them. All right. Um... In Germany, Hurricane had a five-star performance. Um, I think I checked the rating of Sofascore. It actually went went viral. Um, he had a 10 over 10 rating. So his first hat-trick for Bayern, and he had two assists in the Premier League, back to the Premier League. Sheffield nil, Newcastle 8. We just came off that. Uh, eight different scorers for Newcastle. This was Sheffield United's largest defeat in league history, and was... I mean, they haven't considered eight goals in a game since a 10-3 loss to Middlesbrough in 
33. Dalton, I'm going to ask you a very important question. Perhaps the most important question I'm going to ask you in this episode. Do you have Kieran Trippier on your FPL team? No. <laughs> yeah, if you look Sadly at my team, not. I had, I had, ah, for some reason, after they considered against Newcastle, they had a rough start, you know, Newcastle, uh, who again, Brighton, and uh, who was it they, they lost to? Uh, okay, it was Manchester City, right? They lost 1-0 to Manchester City, I think it was. So I just took off my Newcastle players, and I forgot, the, I forgot to bring them back in. It hurts me, man. I think he had three assists today, and of course, with the clean sheet, so, uh, so, so, three, so let me even make enough bonus. extra. So as, as, as I was watching the Newcastle game live. So in the first half, um, first, second goal was Trippier assists, Dambon goal. Third goal was Trippier assists, Botman goal. So basically, that's a back four of Trippier, Shah, Botman, and Bon. Right? So I've said Trippier assists, I've said Botman goal, I've said Bon goal. Guess the Newcastle defender I have, Shah. Uh, man, so unlucky. Uh, Bio, do you have do you have uh, Trippier on your FPL team? No, I don't because I consider him to be too expensive. So right from the first day of the right from registering my first FPL team, I went for Botman first of all because I think one thing I like to get with Newcastle most times is clean sheets, right? Mm-hmm. And so funny enough, Botman also got a goal today, so that was 12 points. I think Trippier had 15, you know, that was before, <clears throat> sorry, that was before bonus points are assigned. Man, so, Dottie, you are talking about your own predicaments. Let me, let me bust your brain. The person on my own team is Gusto, and he had a red card for Chelsea. So, that's my, that's my own predicament. Anyway, uh, speaking of Chelsea and speaking of records that haven't, that have been standing since 1933, Aston Villa just secured their first back-to-back, first set of back-to-back victories at Stamford Bridge since 1933. So uh, Chelsea, they're down to 14th on the table, five points from six games, just one win in six, of course. Uh, I know on our very first episode when we broke down Chelsea and, you know, buying lots of players and everything, Shola broke down how um, there was going to be chemistry issues to start the season, but if they stuck by Pochettino. They could reap some rewards during the second half of the season. I think that's something that I agree with. Uh, but do you think it's uh, Bayo? Do you think it's panic time for Pochettino? Uh, Chelsea they've historically been a team that likes to pull the trigger very early, and um, this new management isn't any different. You know, letting go of um, Tuchel last season. Those one that was for off-field reasons, and then getting rid of uh, what's his name um, Potter. So, do you think this panic time for Pochettino? So personally, I, I don't see what that would. I don't think I don't see what that would achieve. Um, sacking Pochettino, um, he's had to con- contend with a huge turnover in the squad. So you have guys like Pizzati, Costo, Colwell, Caicedo, Jackson. You know who have come straight into the first eleven, having um, transferred or returned from loans this season, right? So they are all just trying. They are all just trying to settle into the squad. Um, and if you look at their bench as well, um, you know, over this over this first few Premier League games, you see lots of big players on the bench because um, they they also have suffered from uh, lots of injuries um, in this period, right? With so James is out, um, um, who else? Um, so funny enough, it, 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 it escapes my mind at this point in time. 
Uh, but I, I, I know for a fact that yesterday containing with lots of injury. I think Amando Bro has just got back. Madwiki has been injured. Mm. Uh, you know, and a few other players, a few other players like that. So um, I think they just need to hop, they just need to bunker down. Uh, I don't think Champions League qualification is um, a, a realistic objective for this season. What they need to do is just to build team chemistry, um, figure out players that have a part to play going forward, right? Um, I think, so, yeah, so like I said, just I think some fluency, get the fundamentals right in terms of how Pochettino wants his team to play. And possibly post January, uh, put together a strong run so that they can be they can have the co- correct platform to go next season. Um, but I, I mean, so Chelsea's transfer strategy is pretty funny because um, when you spend as much as you have, it doesn't make sense that uh, that you should have any excuses for not reaching certain targets, like for example the top four finish, right? Mm-hmm. But the very nature of <clears throat> the very profile of players that they've gone for, um, you know, these are large. These are large players who have never contended for. Who very few of them have actually contended for titles, you know, before have that experience of uh, being at the very top of being at the very top of the game. Naturally, I think the project requires that they afford some time to the manager, and they did. I, I have a very soft spot for Graham Potter, and I feel like. He was. He also got the short end of the stick because he's suffering from the exact same problems that Pochettino is suffering from. There was a huge turnover of players as well in January this year, or rather, there were a huge addition. There were a huge number of additions to the squad. Um, so I'll just say Chelsea sit tight. Um, I don't think they can do much better than Pochettino anyway. So, um, they've made their best. So they have to lie in it for for the time being. Still in the Premier League, Liverpool just coming off a 3-1 victory over West Ham. Goals from Salah, Darwin Nunes, uh, Diego Jota uh, sealed the points for them. One of my predictions before the season started was that Liverpool were going to be the closest team to Manchester City. Um, I thought Manchester City were going to retain the league, but I felt like if anything was going to push them to the brinks, it was going to be Liverpool rather than Arsenal even though, I mean, it's hard to ignore the, the threat that Arsenal poses. Uh, what do you make of their start to the season, that's Liverpool, uh, bearing in mind that over the past few games, they've missed uh, Roger van Dijk due to suspension, but somehow they've still uh, rallied around and you know, grabbed three points? Well, um, before the season, I, I looked at their team and I said they have to do a major... Um, like recruitment in midfield and they brought into new midfield three new midfielders um endo chobosly as well as McAllister. um endo, endo is still being integrated into the team but you can see McAllister and chobosly you can see how they've elevated the team in terms of um pushing the team forward creating chances mm-hmm. and and all of that so i think that they have a very good chance and for me the the best part about their team going into this season is the fact that they have options going forward they have Diaz, Nunes, Salah, Yota, and Gaku, um, five capable forwards. Um, they also have the youngsters that have played in those forward roles in Curtis Jones and Elliot. So uh, the fact that they have multiple options, whenever they have um, games that are dragging for long, you can see them maybe 1-1. You know that 
they have good options off the bench. So it's not like their best team is on the field. Like, um, I think three forces ago, where you know it's Salah, Mane, and Firmino, and if someone comes, yeah, um, the quality level is going to drop. Even though Origi got winners a few times and, and all of that, but here the, the quality is is a bit more balanced. You know that all of them are in their own right terrorists going forward. So I, I think they have a very good chance of finishing top four if they prioritize games, um, especially the Europa League games. I think they should be done and dusted with qualification from their group after three games, right? So um, they can choose to chop and change a, a lot more frequently. Um, also, it helps that um, there's a lot of experience in the team with um, Alison, um, Van Dyke, Robertson, Matty. Trent is 24, but you can also call him an yeah. experienced player as well. So it helps that they, they, they know how to. I mean, they've seen the best, they've seen the worst. So yeah, Salah and Co as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's not strange that they can maneuver any situation. I think they'll be bang on top for the end of the season. Mm, yeah, you you made a very good point about um, you know their midfield reconstruction and you know this game is actually or it was a game of a game between two sides that had done major surgery on their midfield. So of course you know West Ham got all those midfielders after losing Declan Rice. So it was you know it was fun to see two midfielders that were not really um, that not had time to like gel, but had been you know pretty good this season so far. And yeah, Liverpool came up tops. Uh, just to add a bit, um, the Eredivisie, the Ajax Feyenoord game had been or has been suspended. It was 3 0 to Feyenoord, and Ajax, of course, we are home. Their yeah, fans protested and all that, threw flares to the pitch, and the game got suspended. So, check um, So, I, I'm saying that, um, I'm saying that, um, Ajax have also sacked their sporting directors, Ben Mitzlinter. Um, they, that happened this night. Oh, that's um, not that. oh. so. If you, yeah, so if you remember, Miss Lintat was um, highly rated. Um, he was a highly rated recruitment guy at Dortmund while Thomas mm-hmm. Tuchel was there, right? And, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, himself and Tuchel had a falling out, you know, and then mm-hmm. he eventually moved to Arsenal. He had a falling out there, went to Stuttgart, um, had a good first season. Last season, almost got them relegated. Um, so he was appointed to Ajax this summer as well. And... Um, he made a raft of signings that honestly I couldn't make heads I couldn't make heads or tail or tail of like lots of players from uh from so many leagues like you have like you hadn't heard of as well as having a good coach and um I think it's just it's just a mess right there. But I think they've done the right thing in, in letting him go because I think um he's like the primary source or like the decisions he made are the primary source of the problems they're having now. And their mm. manager is probably going to follow suit. Yeah, I expect uh, that. Mm. Very soon. Yeah, so like that's an interesting one to watch as well. Yeah, they've started the season in horrible form, horrible form. I believe just one win in the last eight games in all competitions, and that was against Ludogorets. Um, and let's see, we are there on the table. They are 14th on the table right now. So yeah, I mean, their fans have every right to protect. This is Ajax, not just some <laughs> random Dutch team. Uh, that was interesting to see. Um, we'll update you guys as you know the whole situation unfolds. Um, Sassuolo for Juventus two. This was Juventus' first defeat of the season. Chesney had a horrible game, um, two errors leading to goals. But somehow, somehow, he wasn't the worst player on the pitch. 
that was Federico Gatti. I don't know if you guys saw that bizarre own goal. Gatti is not comfortable in possession, and Gatti has scored the most ludicrous own goal, and the pressure has sufficed from the Nero Verdi. Gatti's goal was the final nail in the coffin. Quite the performance this from. Yeah, I saw. I saw the goal. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, it was. It was pretty funny because I mean, the keeper passed him the ball. And he, he wasn't like he, he didn't have his back to go. Like he, mm -hmm. he was facing he was facing the right way. Like he was facing the opponent's goal. And but he was under pressure as well. Because I think he was you could you could call it I think he, if you are being generous, you could say it was a hospital pass from the keeper. Because he was actually under pressure upon receiving mm -hmm. the ball. And then he just placed the ball back without looking. And yeah, well, that that was hilarious. Uh, it just reminds me of all those um, all those CVs where. You know, you say you're good under pressure and, you know, when they hire you for a job, you just show yourself on the first day that you're not good under pressure. That was just, like you said, it was just hilarious. Anyway, what was your, just going off of this, what was your favorite own goal of all time? Ah, this one is right up there. Nothing comes to mind. I, I, I have one vaguely in mind. I, I, I haven't been able to find it yet. I think it happened in the Australian, I think it happened in the Australian League, right? Um... So I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just keep looking for it. I, I don't I, I don't know what teams were involved specifically, but as soon as I figure it out, I'll I'll I'll, I'll bring it up again. All right, uh, Doctor, how about you? What's your favorite own goal of all time? Uh, <clears throat> so I, I I won't say it's favorite, but there's this own goal that, that was very funny when I was in um, when I was still in school. So it was one of the reasons why England did not qualify for Euro two thousand and eight. Oh. Have you ever seen anything like that? England are 2-0 down. And Paul Robinson, a goalkeeper for whom everything went right in the first half, has missed his kick. It will be a catastrophe, really. It was a guy never own goal, but in the real sense of it, there was nothing I never could do about it. So I never passed to um goalkeeper it was a um, paul robinson in goal oh I yeah i remember that yeah and robinson miskicked the ball <laughs> and he ended up somebody net. so there's that and there's also the um the goal that did i generated of the um uh, I, think it, I think it was the it was it was real it was real it was very similar to the gatti on goal it was real oh, okay. against portsmouth i think kujak wasn't in goal as well so uh, I saw that, and when I saw the own goal, the first thing that came to my mind was, I've seen this thing at United before. I've seen this thing at United before. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, bad one for him because you know Italy is very, very, very unforgiving for stuff like that. I saw wow. uh, a clip of when they were walking back into the tunnel and someone was trying to slap his head or whatnot. <laughs> but football can be very brutal. Football can be very. Oh, one of my favorite own goals has to be I don't know if you guys can remember Josue Duvega. So he's the Haiti's goalkeeper. And it was the game against Canada. La France, two center backs being good tonight for Haiti. Oh no, look out! What a mistake! Can you believe that happened? Oh my word! Duverger, Canadian born, doing a solid to his country. You hate to see that happen, but Canada has been on the receiving end so many times before. The most unlikely of goals you will ever see!
They passed the ball back to him. He miscontrolled it the first time. And in a split second, it was like the football god gave him that split second for him to redeem himself. And he wanted to clear the ball. So he missed, he miskicked it. Or no, no, he wanted to trap it and it slipped under his leg, right? But there was still like, let's say, 10 inches between where he was standing and the goal itself or the touchline. Also, right, the, the goal line. And he ran to clear the ball. So rather than clearing the ball with his right leg, he still kicked the ball in further with his left leg. It was so hilarious. And uh, the funny thing was that the goal came again, the own goal came against Canada, and the guy is Canadian born. So there's this extra bit of um, twist to that. I like all those conspiracy theories. Exactly. Any own goal with um, a conspiracy theory behind it. Uh, we'll end this, this segment, uh, this first part of the show, with one of the question that was sent in by one of our listeners sent in by okay okay is actually a very good uh friend of the show he's he's been a dedicated listener since day one you know always sharing and all that he's an annoying arsenal fan but i like i'm dying a correct guy but yeah annoying arsenal fan um he said and he was having this argument on friday night he actually called me to weigh in on friday night um he was having this argument with some friends and um the question is would Prime Lionel Messi have scored 50 league goals if he played in the Premier League? Uh, Bayo, what are your thoughts? Uh, he said it is prime, right? And yeah, prime yes, Messi, I yeah. Think, yeah, I think definitely he, he would have scored he would have scored 50 goals. Um, what, are we saying league or in all competitions? Oh, no, 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 just league, not, not, not in all competitions, just the league alone. 50 goals, 50 goals is tough because you are saying that he's doing... That's like doing like 1.5 goals every game or four. So, yeah, that while while that might be a stretch, while that could possibly be a stretch, um, but I would say that in this prime, which should have been circa 2011 to 2014, um, Lionel Messi really does 40 Premier League goals um, every season, and that's excluding assists. And that's excluding assists, right? And you only need to look at his record. Um, you only need to look at his record against English teams in the, in the Premier League, right? Um, mm-hmm. So according to according to some of the stats I have, he has two goals against two goals from two against Tottenham, two goals from four against Liverpool, um, three from ten against Chelsea, which is probably like has been was his toughest opponent. And obviously not <laughs> not the Chelsea we see today, but the Chelsea of Mourinho, Terry, Lampard, Drogba, etc. Which is the, the, yeah, the Chelsea he faced in his prime, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, four, 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 eight, four from six against Man United, seven from mm. eight against City, nine from six against Arsenal. Ooh. Right. And these are these are the best these are the best teams, right? That mm. the Premier League have had to offer, you know, over over the period over the period that you know has spanned Messi's career. So uh, you can imagine him against the likes of uh, 2008 Derby County or <laughs> or Norwich from 2013 uh, and, and clubs like that. Easily, easily he puts up, easily he puts up um, a goal again um, in the Premier League during that period. And don't forget, this is someone that scored 90 goals in a calendar year, mm-hmm. right? Or was it mm-hmm. 80 goals? No, I think it was like you 92. Know. Was it 92? Yeah. I think it was 92. In a calendar it was 91. Year. Yeah. Right, that was, okay, 91. That was, okay, that was in, 91. Yeah, that was in 2012, right? 
Okay. Come on. He would absolutely piss all over the Premier League. Okay, but um, Dottin, before you answer, let me just play a little bit of Devil's Advocate. I know Dottin, this is your job to play Devil's Advocate, but let me steal your job from you just this once. Uh, first thing, Messi only hit 50 goals in La Liga once, so it wasn't like he was doing it on a regular. He only did that once in um, in uh, in Spain. And then, of course, you know, the fixtures in England, it's, it's very brutal. You get to play four tournaments, the Champions League, the FA Cup, the League Cup, and of course the league itself. There's no there's little to no time for recovery the way it is in Spain where you get some few weeks off in December. Um you get to play what was it four games in eight days or four games in ten days during December alone. So all those things they can be very brutal. You know, you rest and all those kind of things. So it's not like you're playing every game. But I know there's a simple answer to this. It's Lionel Messi. The only thing he hasn't done is to walk on water. And even that self, we're not still sure he can't do that. But Dotto, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think in his prime he would hit 50 league goals in the Premier League? Um, okay, so obviously because it's Messi, I'll say yes. But I think it's just dependent on a few a few factors, right? And for me, the first factor or the most important factor is the team is playing in, right? Um, you know, Messi is one of those players that don't have a stamp on position right mm-hmm. it's just a brilliant attacker he mostly prefers to come off um off the right wing onto his favorite left foot and get into the central areas now in that era of premier league you have most of playing traditional 4-4-2 do you play him up top do you play him off a striker do you play him off there so it's just about getting the best one but if if you fit into any system that can get the best out of it Say, for example, a front win and as a Wenger system, right? Or say, um, maybe Gadiola's Centurion team. Do you understand? If it was the one maybe coming mm-hmm. off the off the right wing, maybe instead of Mares or maybe instead of Sterling or something like that, they were looking at a lot of goals, like a lot of goals. Maybe 50, 50 might be a stretch, but we know we're going to see a lot of goals. I think that... Um, First is first. I think Premier League record would not have been. Uh, Haaland broke Salah's record, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Salah would have broken any record because Messi would have broken the record a long time ago, and Salah would not oh, have been yeah. match up here. So it's it's just one of those. This is Messi. This is Messi. This is Messi argument. There's very little you can say. He has done it all. He has done. Do you understand? So it's it's. I don't want to say it's a no brainer, but <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just because it's messy. Because when I heard, when, when this, the question was initially sent to me, I thought the most I would see him doing in his prime is early 40s. Because, yeah, no one has cracked 40 before. And we've had a lot, a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, superstars, right? Grace the Premier League. But then, um, Dotton, I think you also raised one important question uh, when we initially talked about it in the group which was that we have to remember that the teams in the Premier League back then were not as well coached as they, they are right now. So it's messy of back then playing against the teams of back then, not the teams of now. Yes, yeah, now. Nonsense, like not, nonsense football. That. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like he's playing against Brighton of now. Even uh, a team like uh, Burnley, 
they might be what was it 16th and sorry 18th or 19th but they are still well coached you understand so it's not ever, like it, i don't know if you ever saw this clip of uh, stoke city versus uh, everton back in the day so um someone was pressing everton goalkeeper timo ward and timo ward turned around to play the ball out for a corner instead of a trade because you know if you give that Stoke City team train anywhere you own half, they're training straight into your box. So you don't, if I mess it, I don't be disgusted. Like, this is not football. And I don't know that. But I, I, we're just saying, like, a best case scenario against proper teams. Like, well, that's, that was not football. What we are seeing now is football. That was uh, Bolton, Stoke, um, even the Fulham of Puamotia and Dubadiop and, and, and all of that. Those teams were not real teams, mm. man. Anyway, um, I. I, I asked my my madam this question and she went she said ah, of course it's messy what am I talking about and me I just want to be on the same page with her because me I want a long and successful marriage so uh, yeah I'm on messy you don't want to sleep 50. in the at all at all I don't want wala uh, anyway shout out to um, okay thanks for the question if you have any questions for us guys um, just send them in uh, that'll be end of part one we'll catch you in part two with Birdwatch. All right, guys, welcome to Birdwatch, part two of the Clean Tackles podcast. On Birdwatch, we'd like to focus on our favorite birds, the eagles and the falcons. We have to go into a deep dive about the MPFL. Well, not a deep dive, just to mention what they've been up to, which is nothing, at least on the pitch. Uh, there's still no return day for the league to return. Um, it was suspended two weeks ago, and till now, it's just crickets. But they have signed a new sponsorship deal with MTN. And according to the deal, it's going to be the games are going to be broadcast on the MPFL app, which is available on Play Store, but only to MTN subscribers. So only MTN subscribers can access the live games on the app, while other network subscribers will have to access will have access to the delayed highlights. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole deal? Do you think this whole idea of limiting the highlights or the, the live games to just MTN subscribers, you think is a good idea? You know what? Let them even play the ball first. Because in the real sense of it, like they've not started um they've not started the league. Right? Um like they've not been able to start the league. So talk, talking about streaming or showing when there's no product on hand is I don't know, it's funny to me. Right, but in, if, if eventually the league will start, and I feel like you have to start from somewhere, right? Um, you want to do MTN subscribers first, all right? All well and good. You start with MTN subscribers. Eventually, you have to move across boards because you don't want to limit the supply of your product to just a particular demographic. Do you understand? So mm-hmm. I feel like eventually, with time, uh, I mean, right now nobody's showing anything anyway. So have birds better than none. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Bio, do you have the same um, opinion on this? Um, yeah, obviously. I, I agree with Dawson that the most important thing is for for there to be games to actually show. Otherwise I imagine MTN a, a, a corporation with um a corporation of MT, of MTN stature, standing, values would definitely would definitely I, I don't so obviously i'm not privy to the precise terms of the contract but 
like I said, a corporation of MPN standing will probably have some clauses in there to protect themselves in case the whole thing falls apart. But I think um, I think these are the, this this is the level of uh, sponsor that the league should aspire to, and I think that is in the best interest of the league to get because uh, when obviously like you have to you have to provide for the caveat of the Nigerian factor, but um, you know. You want you want corporations who will not. Uh, I I don't imagine that these these corporations will want to have their their brands uh, solid in any way, you know. And so they would want. I I, I hope that they've been able to put in <clears throat> to to obtain some concessions from from those who run the league in terms of the product, in terms of uh, you know the quality of the product, the consistency. Uh, you know, in terms of games and all of that, that would ultimately prove to be for the benefit of all the stakeholders of the league. Uh, I think that's good. Uh, yeah, it's it's it was a bit worrying for them to, like you guys have said, uh, limit their product to just um, a segment of you know the Nigerian demographic. But yeah, half bread is better than none. This is a, this is a league that has struggled historically, struggled to. Maybe not get sponsorship, but maintain sponsorship because it seems like most sponsors just come in for a year or two and then they dip after they don't get returns or they have a problem with the integrity of the league. I know when we we're talking about the Saudi Pro League, Dotun emphasized on you know integrity of the football league playing a part in you know the growth of the league, and uh, it's something that I think sponsors have struggled with. So anytime we can get sponsors, it seems like a you know a win-win situation. Um, yes, there's a downside to it, you know, um, pretty much just um, uh, limiting it to a certain section of the fans. But yeah, it's better than nothing. And you know, hopefully, we get to stream the games live because that has also been something that um, you know hardcore fans or even people that want to pick up the games um, have not been able to do. So yeah, looking forward to it. And I don't want to say let's just kick the ball, let's just get it started. Um, anyway, speaking of starting the league, um, Remo Stars head coach Daniel Ogumodede, he was on Niger Made on Supersport this past week and he made a statement. Um, he said, not winning the league will be a failure because of our trajectory in the last four years. Uh, it felt like he was putting pressure on himself, which is uh, a bit strange to see. Most times it's the fans putting pressure on the on the coach or you know the upper management or even... Uh, the media or something, but this guy has put the pressure on himself saying anything besides winning the league will be a failure. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, and do you think he's right, judging by their their finishes over the past few seasons? I know since gaining promotion, their first year in the NPFL, they finished third. Last season, they finished runner-up. Uh, what do you think about what he said? And do you think they actually can win the title? So here's what I think, and this is maybe 100% honest. I don't think he said anything out of place. Um, I remember when Remo Stars just got promotion to Premier League 2015, 2016, thereabouts. They got relegated immediately, right? And it was because they simply could not keep up with the league. In the last two seasons, they finished, um, I think, third and second. So yeah. if you finish third and second in consecutive seasons, you should think that you can win the league. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm a closet fan. I have a <laughs> half ties to Remo Stars. Uh, yeah, I yeah, know. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm actually hoping they do very well. And on face value, they're one of the best teams to watch in the country. 
right? They play exquisite football compared to what you expect from a Nigerian team. So even down to um, structure, proper academy and all of that, you see their young stars going to different countries to go and play ball, and they actually play very, very well. So I think they're early favorites for the league season alongside the traditional um, perennial champions, um, Eimba. So um, I don't think it's anything. I, I think it's good to, to put pressure on yourself so you know that uh, minus your... Uh, expectations from stakeholders that's your owner your fans your whatever you yourself have a duty to yourself to to push yourself to do better so i, I think it's a good one for him upstairs like mentally like i want to win the league so you do his best to make sure that he can't keep up with what you said okay uh by your thoughts on this uh and why i'm also interested in what you have to say that i know you've you've in the past you've said uh, you like it when teams make mistakes or you know are very careless with their spending and all those things you like to see them get punished remote stars are like the opposite they've invested very well not just uh, the and the football like Dustin just said the exquisite football they play is a product of that investment they've invested heavily on infrastructure everything in fact i think they are like a template for how nigerian teams should be run right uh so what do you think about um Daniel Lugumodide's statement about the expectations. Yeah, yeah, you're actually quite right. Um, so yes, um, Remo Stars, you know, they seem, I think they're, they're a pretty young team. Um, that at, I mean, in terms historically, um, you know, that they're pretty young team anyway. I think um, they've also put in a lot of thought into what they're trying to achieve, you know, like, the type of football they want to play, and also mentioned about that, you know, um, you know how they run, how they run their youth team. So I think it, it's fair to say, for example, like give a comparison with a team like Brighton, right, where mm-hmm. they where they put where you can there's there's a thought process behind um, the methodology, how they go about things, and that has steadily seen them rise up the rise up the leagues, rise up the table. Um, so you can see with Remo Stars as well. Yeah, that's an um, excellent comparison. Well. Mm. Yeah, so you know, um, they they've bettered over in, in the last couple of years. They've continued to uh, they continue to improve. Um, they continue to improve on their performance, right? And I think it would be it would be fantastic for it would be fantastic for the league for a non-traditional for one of the non uh one of the clubs who are not like the traditional powerhouses. Of the league to uh, make that achieve to perform to uh, to go the distance, win the league, and um, you know um, show that it's possible. And just to show what's possible, encourage others to think similarly and to set lofty goals. And just try and generally do the right way, uh, do things the right way. I think that would be a wonderful example for you know everyone for. For everyone who has an interest in our football. Yeah, uh, well, good luck to Remo Stars. Uh, if they do win the league, I think they will have deserved it because they made lots of investments and it would be nice to see their investments pay, pay off. Uh, from a selfish standpoint, I, I want to see Rangers win it because that's my team. Uh, but yeah, good luck to Remo Stars in the coming season. Uh, we'll end this this episode the same way we ended the last uh, part 
by asking a hypothetical question. It was something that we also had sent in, but uh, it was from Spotify and I couldn't tell who exactly sent it. Uh, but whoever it is, thanks for sending it in. Um, he said, if you could pick just one player of Nigerian descent playing for another country uh, to switch allegiances back to the Super Eagles, who would it be? Uh, so players like Destiny Odoji, who plays for, who represents Italy right now, or David Alaba, Austria, or Noah Kaur for Switzerland, things like that. If you could get one player from of Nigerian descent playing for another country to switch allegiances back to the Super Eagles, who would it be? I'll start with you, Bayer. I mean, um, ordinarily I would go for David Alaba, but he's towards he's in the twilight of his career. Um, and the reason I would go for him is because he actually for Austria he plays as a midfielder, even though historically at club level he has played either left back mm. or centre back. Um, and obviously we know that we're we're we have more strikers than we know what to do with. We have more attackers than we know what to do with. True. So I think midfield midfield is the area where you want to most add some quality, and so uh, having taken that into consideration, I'd pick Eberechi Eze. Oh, okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, how about you? Who would you pick? Um, ordinarily, I wish there was one goalkeeper somewhere that was in the class of Noya, Peter Czech, or Van de Sar, or. Ika Kassias or mm. something like that because we've been too starved of goalkeepers since um, Vincent Ayama retired. Mm. But looking at what we have right now, I, I think the easy option is Bukayo Saka. Yeah, I think that's... That, <laughs> so, it, when I was thinking about it, uh, I thought either Bukayo Saka or Jamal Musiela. But, like Bayo said, we have way too many attackers that we know what to do with. So I'm going just based off, just based off of what we need rather than uh, going for an excess. I think I'll stick with uh, Manuel Akanji. I think um, having him in that defense, I think it will solve a lot of heartaches that uh, we are going to face sometime in the Afcon, especially in the knockout stages. Uh, I think having someone like that of that quality, someone who is very comfortable on the ball. Uh, someone who has played under Pep, you know, from Dortmund to Manchester City, and you know, uh, played a huge role in, uh, in, by, them, uh, in the chicken, Sorry, you, you know, you said I played devil's advocate there, so but I just I'm not playing devil's advocate. I just want to point out now that see, these things that you said they work in European football, they don't work in half court. <laughs> you're, going to play, you're going to play against the true, most true. physical of strikers. <laughs> Except to play against a team like Algeria yeah, or, yeah, or, or all those North yeah, all those North American, yeah, not exactly. not uh, African yeah, countries. Yeah, play against Central African Republic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I mean, so uh, uh, based on what Dotson said, I'll ask a question. So mm. I mean, Senegal won the last Afcon. Mm-hmm. Um, so who do you think was more important for them? And you could see before they won the last one, they were also like progressing deeper and deeper. Who would you say was more important for them, Sadio Mane or Kalidu Kulibali? Uh, Kulibali, easy. like for them, to, for them to achieve that. Kulibali, yeah. so think, easy, easy. Yeah. Because I think Mane was, yeah, was, think was, was wasn't Mane injured for a few games, um, or was um, that just Ch- me? Ch- you guys have a fantastic point, right? But this is the angle I'm coming from, right? Um, for a long mm. time in my life, I I used mm. to have that hope that I would play ball. Do you understand? So you know when someone mm. has something up, like you know when someone is a Senegalese that was taken abroad to play ball. 
there's a difference between being a Senegalese that's taking a ball to play ball and a Swiss player that's been brought back home to play ball. Do you understand? You cannot compare, say, um, Indidi and his physical attributes to, say, Iwobi that was brought back. Do you understand? Kulibali is mm. inbred. He's, he's one of us. We know how we do it here. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen this video of um, that's how I know that Akonji is not one of us. There's this video when I, I think they were revealing him at City, or yeah, it was when they were revealing him at City, and they brought up news that he's a mass genius and it could, be, oh. it could multiply real big. No, yeah, 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 yeah. It will be in school. It will be in the school. There's no way it will be a footballer. So you have that's a fantastic point with Kulibali. I, I mean, there's no argument there. I'm just saying that if it was one of us, uh, hey, this guy's not one. But you know someone who, someone who managed to blend both styles, who could be that very refined player, but at the same time could do Gidibo, he could play Gidibo football. I think that was Mikel. And that was one of the reasons why. Mikel is, Mikel is our most underrated player and he's possibly the greatest Nigerian ever to ever do. <clears throat> Don't you remember back then when we used to run 12 players and we had one poll like that where we used to vote? Where we yep. did like... Yeah, uh, we, we did the greatest you know, was Mik- you, know, you know it was Mikel that came up top or yeah, as Mikel, the greatest Mikel, player. Mikel. Even though I know for a fact that the people that are voting were like our age, our age range. So let's say... Okay, maybe by age range, so like early thirties and yours, like you know, early forties. But you get my point, right? That, this is the older um, <laughs> and all of that. But then again, with Mikel, uh, but yeah, it's it's what Bayer said is very valid. Mikel is probably one of the greatest mm. players to have come up of this one. Yep, and uh, totally agree. And also, you know, Mikel is one of those players that there is. Mikel is full of one of us. Now, Mikel's saving grace is that he left the shores of this country very early. In development, mm-hmm. if you remember properly, Mikel was a under seventeen, As a teenager. Two, was under seventeen, mm. two thousand three, under twenty, two thousand five, right? And by then, he had already gone to Linus Low. He had the old transfer. Mm. So, is yeah, yeah. It, most of the things he learned, he picked them at developmental stage. So that's why he could probably play here and play there, and and a lot of that. So yeah, good one, good one, uh, Bio. Good one for pointing that out. And uh, also um, off the books, I don't think this was the best weekend for Nigerian strikers. Um, yeah, for I think we're just um, Osimhen missed mm. the penalty for Napoli in the zero-zero draw. Um, Giftoban got sent off for Ghent. Um, okay, Boniface got his regular goal. I think he scored two. Uh, no, he scored two. Yeah, so he's up to six goals and two assists in five games yeah. and eight goals in seven games in all comps. I think that was that's fantastic for him. Yes. Yeah, mm. so, Kelechi to Drew Blacks. Moses Simon scored a 93rd minute penalty. Uh, who else? I, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Uh, I know Kelechi. If you're talking, if if you're talking about Nigerian goal scorers, I think you need to start talking about Ndidi because he has he's now a confirmed Nigerian goal scorer. Well, he scored the weekend. I, I stopped at one zero. No, but he didn't score. He didn't score. Uh, I don't think he scored. Yeah, yeah. I, I stopped at one zero over the penalty. But yeah, mm. I, I think considering the type of weekend Nigerian players have been having, I don't think this is a good mm. weekend so far this season. Yeah, yeah it was it was it was pretty it was quiet on that front. I think even okay, so uh Murphy didn't score, but at least they won one nil. And that was true. One one play of Nigeria descent, uh Florian Balogun, he missed two penalties in that game. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that. So he missed. Yeah, yeah. he missed the penalty. Uh, uh, oh, Friday one night, one in either half. Yeah, Friday one night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
I was going to say I think it's early to judge him, but he kind of comes across as um, how did he say that thing? He gets all talk, no action, right? He wanted to leave um, Arsenal. He wanted to prove himself. <laughs> he had um, the old squabble of um, international allegiance to play for the US, to play for England, to play for Nigeria, and all of that. So um, he's gotten to the American national team and has gotten his move, big money move to. Um, and the coach trusts him because they put their captain, Musa um, Beriada, on the bench for him. And you come up, you miss two penalties. Mm. And your team loses 1 0. Tough one to take for him. Yeah, but, mm, but I think he's caught on his debut, yeah, right? No, when no. he came in as a sub. Funny enough, yeah. Yeah, I think he's, he's mm. a very good striker. I think he's, you know, yeah. we always make jokes about strikers. I say, in as much as coaching and all of that um, can help your game, if you don't have it, you don't have it. I think Folari Balogo mm. has it. Right, it's just a matter of delivering when you're supposed to deliver. That's all. All right, I'm just going to, uh, for the next one week. Anytime I see a Nigerian play, player playing or an African player, I'm just going to start thinking: Is he one of us? In quotes, according to your own method of judging, does he? Is he one of us or is it? <laughs> no, no, are you, are you one of us? Are you one of them? <laughs> are you one of us? <laughs> Um, anyway guys that's going to be it for this show uh, thanks for listening please share subscribe leave a review uh, follow us on all social media platforms especially TikTok for some reason we are popping up on, on TikTok you're not going to see me dancing you're not going to see Dutton dancing maybe Chucky because it was his brother's wedding uh, you might see him kick some moves but definitely not me uh, but yeah follow us on all social media platforms Chucky, inside, uh, inside info you don't want to see Chucky dance <laughs> I don't want to, but uh, now that you've, you've brought it up, I'm a bit curious. I'm a bit curious. <laughs> you, you don't want to see Chukida. <laughs> anyway, guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you next weekend. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>